Hey guys, welcome to season one, episode 13 of the Every Plant Story podcast, the podcast where we share all kinds of plant stories from here in the life of us at Gabriel the Plants and all around our plant community. My name's Shane Malloy, and I'm the owner and president of Gabriella Plants, and I'm your host for this podcast, along with my co-host for today, which will be Brett, uh, our head grower at our original location, and really runs the whole growing side uh, of leading those teams in uh, both locations now. Um, Brett, welcome to the podcast, but... Hey guys. Now we have uh, two greenhouses, uh, technically, yes. that you're uh, helping kind of plan strategy for. How's that been going? Very exciting. Yeah. Uh, we have evaporative cooling pads i'm sure we've talked about in brooks before so it just lets us grow a wider variety of things in a in a better condition than we've ever been able to do before which oh yeah is very exciting yeah those begonias over there we've been growing um do you know how many it was 2800 or something like that yep it's uh 21 varieties uh, for wow. a total of 2800 pots out there right now that's crazy yeah so we got all those planted in the last two weeks uh at the brooks greenhouses and brett mentioned the evaporative cooling but holy moly that <laughs> thing works you know i was kind of looking at it when we first built that greenhouse and the number of fans and the volume of air they moved and i was like this seems like slightly overkill <laughs> and definitely on the 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 past week we've had a lot of overcast um and yeah i've had to go down to just using one of the three fan sets because it was like <laughs> cooling it all the way it was working too good honestly it was cooling it down to like 76 and i got to thinking about it and i was like i I probably should have checked with you, uh, but I was like, I'm pretty sure they want like, you know, not the nineties, but like warmer, the better to some extent, right? Sure. As long as the humidity's up. Yeah, so, I'd uh, agree with that. Yeah. So, but the point isn't to chill them. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, the, the Brooks Greenhouse has been a lot of fun. It's been fun having that so close to my backyard, about 150 feet from my back door. So um, being able to go out there every night and get busy planting and crank those numbers. Yeah, exactly. We got to be always growing more. <laughs> I'll do my part. Uh, well, awesome. Well, um, the other cool thing, uh, today's show, we just kind of have some different uh, reflections on kind of the halfway point of the year and some of the other things that are coming in the second half of the year and kind of see where the show takes us. Um, if you ever have any questions you want us to address on the podcast, you can also email that to us at feedback at everyplantstory.com and we'd be happy to take a look at that and try to incorporate that into a show as we will with a customer email um, towards the end of the show today as well. Um, but first, Brett, Let's go ahead and just dive into what have you learned from the first half of the year? Obviously, now we're getting into summer. Um, it's hot. <laughs> except it is last, hot. Except for the last week, it's been a little bit nicer with the, the afternoon storms rolling through. But um, what have you learned? What's your number one takeaway? Um, what makes you most excited about what's happened so far? And um, then we'll get into what's going on in the future. Well, first, I'd like to say, separate from the plants that we actually have growing in the greenhouse and all of the progress that we have made on that end of it. There really has been so much growth and just amazing camaraderie in the team. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, all of the all of the employees of the team at Gabriella Plants, but specifically at the growing location, uh, we've just become, I mean, even closer. And it's just amazing how well we work together and we're able to accomplish so much, even though it's really not that many of us. Yeah, no, you and you've done a great job growing that team. It's also been cool to see how um, I think it it was going to be a challenge to any company that would would go into a multi-location type of an operation. But uh, even in the last like two weeks since the last podcast, I've seen a tremendous amount of growth too in 
the different teams kind of realizing and kind of coming back to and being reminded of the fact that although you have your specific, you know, responsibilities and role, we're all we all have our part to do with making a customer happy at the end of it. Absolutely. So, um, it's been really cool to see that. And Sam, who hasn't been able to be on the podcast for a little while, but um, Sam has uh, been doing a great job too, running that original location. And it's been cool to see that entire team grow. Um, another thing, uh, we don't have to go into go too many details, but <laughs> go ahead. Uh, when you joined the team, um, you kind of took over, took the helm of um, app applying pesticides yes. and, and doing pest control. And uh, as you know now, <laughs> uh, doing a full, we're, we're just under an acre. I redid the, the math, by the way, because okay. I, was, I was curious, if you added Brooks, would we cross an acre of total square footage? Okay. And we are 816 square feet short of an acre All with right. Brooks. Good so about 40, you know, 1,000 or so square feet. <laughs> Yeah, so it's been really cool to see when you have that much space, obviously one person is not going to be able to, you know, keep up with it as much, especially when some pests, you know, if you're dealing with a more uh, a, a, a good enough infestation, I guess, right, right. Um, it really requires more and more, you know, most of the time we're able to to use pesticides and, and quite honestly use um, several lower strength pesticides from time to time compared to some of the more risky things that are out there um, when you're kind of in maintenance mode, which is a lot easier to do in the wintertime, sure. pests slow down. And then obviously as the summer ramps up, you have kind of two things happening. One, pests become more active in general, you know, right. they're, they're out and about. And then number two, it's a hundred degrees inside the greenhouse. So physically <laughs> the, the physical toll of being able to spray the entire greenhouse um, really limits you to how often you can do it and everything else because you know it's it's a physically exerting when you're in all that PPE it's a physically it's, exerting oh you're preaching the choir honey <laughs> <laughs> um, yes when when I came in I I came into the job knowing that as head grower I wanted to make sure that we were on track with pest management and so I did go ahead and get certified through uh, Florida State with my commercial pesticide applicator license um, and I was kind of spearheading the spraying for the first six months, but um, shout out to our greenhouse team leader, Hunter, and our uh, greenhouse um, team member, Micah, who both just recently passed their Florida State certification as well. Um, so yeah. I started training them this week, and so in the upcoming weeks, uh, there will be three of us doing the spraying, which is good because not only will I get a day off, yeah. but um, we're going to be able with you know more manpower, spray more often, and you know, start using a routine and a regimen that hopefully will get us ahead of any pest problems we see so that as we come to this time next year, we know how best to, you know, fight off anything before it even happens. Oh, yeah. And one of the, and I like that we're just even bringing up the topic of pests too, because like, I think there's a, a large misconception that when you're a professional grower or, you know, you know, we just don't deal with those problems. And the, the reality is we deal with them as much as anyone else, you know, Absolutely. and you learn from the mistakes you make. And I think the other side of the thing that's been really cool to see, even just in the last, the last really week, um, is as, you know, we've been using our internal GP app is what we call it. It's it's an app for employees and our team to use. Um, and it tracks all the every plant story stakes and other things all and all the inventory in our greenhouses and stuff. But one of the, the major things about pests, whether you're a 
consumer or a professional grower is simply identifying it, right. finding where it is and finding it early enough before it turns into a bigger problem. We have, what was the last count? Something like 70,000 plants inside the greenhouse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's bound to be a few with something going on, a disease mm-hmm. or a pest. It's really important to just like any other like health condition or you know anything else. Right. If you catch it early enough, you got way more options to deal with it. So it's been cool to see you investing some of your time into teaching the team, even down to the shipping team, um, more about how to identify the pests and stuff, because I think both of us are on the same page that that is equally as important as who's spraying and what chemical is getting used or whatever, is simply being able to have enough eyes and a system like GP app in the future where you can identify this section of the bench, this crop, that's where it's starting. We need to address that. That, That's absolutely correct. Uh, We are on the same page. And I mean, you're right. Uh, I can be out there and the greenhouse team can be out there and we're spraying and we're, you know, noticing and trying to find things on the first line of defense to spot things before they get they get out. But sometimes things will still get pulled, you know, into inventory to then go to shipping. And there's we have so many uh, roadblocks set up that there are so many people that touch the customer's plants before it goes out that if we keep everyone on the team trained with, you know, a, a knowledgeable eye of what they're looking for, we can potentially stop anything, uh, any pest issues from arriving to the customer, you know, before yeah. they even get there. And, and we do a great job at that. I mean, we don't have any rampant problems no. with, with what goes out. But as a grower, you do have to, you know, but we we do that and we have a whole Slack channel within the, the team of what area, you know, we'll just, if we saw a pest on a bench, you know, we kind of just make the mental note of like, okay, exactly. well, you know, 10 days until we're going to try to remove anything from this bench again, let's get this under control. It's the open communication. And yeah, I think it is important for the customer to realize that we aren't perfect. And you do have to realize that when we have 70,000 plants, like you mentioned, there are going to be pests and it is something that we're working with. It is a commercial greenhouse. It's not a completely sterile you know, um, environment. Yeah. It's not concrete floors or, you know, anything, you know, there's enough entry points and that, that's the other thing that's that with the original location being passive, you just have so many, the only way you keep it relatively cool. And by relatively cool, I mean about five (laughs) degrees hotter than what it is outside is by having all the side curtains open and the top vents open. And it, it is pretty windy in Florida. So you can get a good, uh, a good, Anything can come from anywhere, I guess. But it, it is important that customers know that we really care about that thing. And if they were to ever have that type of problem, we want to take care of it. We Those mistakes happen at 1% on orders or less. Right. And but it, when they do happen, that's why we're here. We're growers. We can take a look at the photo, say, hey, totally our bad. We'll, we'll, we'll take care of refunding this or replacing it for you. We do that every week to take care of our customers, not only because of pests. Pests are the probably the least thing that gets reported, but... Shipping is the right. same kind of story. Uh, when you ship several thousands of plants a week, you're going to have some that a mailman was either like really <laughs> trying to recreate the Heisman moment or, <laughs> or was a little disgruntled, one or the other. And we, we can't possibly know that when uh, when we put them into the, the pallet and send them on their way from our location. So No, and our customer care team is just as important. I told Miriam last week she deserves an award because, uh, I mean, our customers are are awesome, but you know, you have to be able to deal with anything that anyone throws at you. Yeah. And she does a great job. Yeah, it can really be the full spectrum of like, hey, I just have this question that has nothing to do with Gabriel Plants <laughs> to the full other end of the spectrum too. But uh speaking of which how a little bit of housekeeping, uh Miriam's out 
uh, yes. the beginning of this week. So I've been doing more customer care. <laughs> uh, and I'll, I will also be out towards the end of this week. So I just want to throw that in here. Um, we're recording this podcast on Tuesday, um, June 29th, mm-hmm. uh, most likely on Thursday or Friday, which I believe is the first or the second. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will be in Denver. Colorado and we'll be trying to organize on the Instagram a meetup for those of you because it looks like there's at least like three or four dozen people who want to try to do a meetup so um, watch the Gabriella Plants Instagram at Gabriella Plants online on the stories to kind of figure out where I'm going to be and I'll I'll try Gabriella to Plants goes to the West Coast I know right <laughs> I, was, I was thinking today I was like I gotta make sure I leave room in my bag to like like bring stickers I, I ju- and other things. I was just about to say you better bring stuff. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Well, we got some cool new Rio tank, tank tops. So yes, I may have. To, I got one this weekend. It's very nice. <laughs> it, it's a nice tank. Top, oh yeah. Right? Anyway, <laughs> uh, moving on, but uh, that yeah, it's been it's been a crazy first half of the year for sure at the growing location. I feel like as we've said before, it's since it is your first year, you know, operating with us, right? Um, it's so cool to see the seasons change because each season comes with a new set of challenges and we try to be transparent about the challenges and we want to help other growers. Absolutely. Um, I think it's, I think it's awesome what we're doing and being so open with the customers. Uh, I mean, from the very beginning when you started the company, it was very much you're learning as you go and we're here to let the people know how we're doing what we're doing and, what we're doing and some things we're doing are amazing and we take in stride and some things just don't go off as well, but we learn from it and we keep going. And I mean, that's the, that's the wonderful thing about this company is we're still learning and we're here to share, share our story with everyone. Yeah. And, and we're here to learn with our customers too. Some of the best ideas, uh, you know, from time to time have come from a customer going, I like that idea, but what if you also added this, you know, or, or something else? And it's always been cool to have that direct relationship with our customers. But so that's kind of a recap for the first half of the year. What, Brett, what do you think, uh, what can people expect in the second half of the year? What are you looking forward to most? Well, I think from just a standpoint of the growing location, I mean, in the past six months from when I started, we weren't using any portion of the back two greenhouses that we had on property that now we have developed probably 80% of those greenhouses to grow even more plants. Um, We're revamping what was originally called the Philly house, which had a lot of the rare or uncommon plants that now have been moved to Brooks. Um, Correct me if I'm wrong, but it was the original uh, building, correct? It was the second most original. The most original building was made of entirely fiberglass and blew apart in 2004 during Hurricane Charlie. (laughs) Um, Like, I literally watched, like, the the stereotypical movie scenario. I'm thinking Wizard of Oz. Yeah, or, like, any good (laughs) Twister movie. Like, where the the tornado's, like, a half mile away, but then, like, you know, the the camera shot goes to, like, the backyard, uh, like, little hut or whatever, Uh. and you just see, like, the metal just pull away from the Wild. side like stereotypical hurricane footage sure. of like full roof just like kind of lifting <laughs> up and going somewhere i just watched that happen in my backyard um, so this is the oldest still standing correct. structure. Yeah, okay so yeah. um so now that a lot of those plants have been moved to brooks we're we're revamping that area as well as you know reworking and adding bench space uh to the already existing greenhouses at og so just seeing our capacity and our potential to grow even more plants literally just by having more space is also really exciting um, going forward into the second half of the year. Yeah. Um, Another thing that uh, I I was talking about with you before we get started on the podcast uh, today uh, was, 
in the we have a Facebook behind the scenes group for uh, Gabriella Plants, obviously. Um, and in there, there are some announcements and some. I was sharing with you, Brett, that I've kind of left some of the pinned announcements in there for several years at this point because a lot of those really early posts, kind of just like what we were, you were just saying was the p- first post that said, hey, so we're trying this new <laughs> way to ship a plant this way. Let us know if these like stakes in each one works. Uh, you know, you can kind of see the progression of each step as we grew as a company. Mm-hmm. And uh, every once in a while, customers that will um, go on a deep dive will randomly <laughs> like these old posts. So I, I see the notification of like somebody That's else awesome. liked this post from 2018 or whatever. Um, and the one that I was showing you earlier, which like was just mind blowing because you've spent a ton of time in the past month working with our dev team and Chuck Mm -hmm. specifically um, to make sure that all of our plant names are botanically accurate. And we're kind of um, resetting how our data, we we won't get lost in the technicals. (laughs) I shouldn't be qualified to talk about it anyways. The man who is, is in the other room. (laughs) Uh, But uh, we had, we're changing the way that the data works inside the database to accommodate more things like being able to track where cuttings came from and how we step up a plant, things like that, that weren't necessarily initially in the first beta of the every plant story state Mm -hmm. kind of system. So in that whole thing, you've been working on refining the botanically accurate species or cultivar names yes. for all the plants we grow. Um, so not even counting the difference between a three-inch neon and a four-inch neon, like just put those neon as, you know, one. Right. And last night, somebody <laughs> liked this post that I had made in September of 2019, and I wrote down the numbers. Um, according to that post, the number of different species we had sold wholesale, previous <laughs> to knowing Gr- Gabriella plants and our right. customers online, was 14 different species in 2018 so cool i love that giggle i'm just gonna that's gonna be the beginning intro to the show i'm just gonna take a see in 2018 we only grew 14 and then just let your giggle carry on um but then in 2019 we grew 45 okay and in 2020 based on another note wasn't in the post but based mm-hmm. on a note in my own notes we were at somewhere around 208 last year okay how many? That's wild. Right? That's so Just wild. Just 208. And it went from 14 to 208 in two years. And so then as of earlier today, I did the count and I have spent countless hours and I have correctly assigned scientific botanical names to 572 different plants. <laughs> That's awesome. So those are plants that we grow. Those are plants that we've bought in to then sell to our customers. Those are plants that... We have, we may not have ready to sell for yeah. another six months to a year. But it may not even be on the website the yet, but that we're working on ourselves. Right. And that 572 number I was also thinking about doesn't include some plants that were, have such limited numbers or are so way down in the production that we haven't even put into the app yet. Right. So, I mean, that number is more than 572. Because when we, it, it, I often tell one of my favorite things, I think, you can relate to this too. I think it's like just a grower thing. Okay. Um, but like the most rewarding propagation you can possibly do is when you literally specifically only have one of something yes. and you can get from one to two. 
And then the same amount of like adrenaline rush and, and, yes. and joy comes from the two to four. And then it kind of, you know, obviously falls off. There's always joy in planting every batch. Um, but taking one to two is always like, to me at least, a huge milestone. Yes. And yes. the thing that people need to realize is sometimes even as growers, you know, connected with other growers and stuff, we can only get our hands on maybe one or two cuttings mm -hmm. of something. And the amount of time, just sheer time it takes to get from the one or two to say a dozen. Right. Can be a full year. Oh, yeah. And in that time, yeah, we may not track it in our systems just to kind of keep the clutter away because it takes so long to get from that one to 12. And then obviously, as you get above a dozen, now you can start, you just like your whole one becomes two, two becomes four, four becomes 16, right. you know, the whole exponent thing. Well, and thing. we've talked about this in past episodes when uh, one of the first episodes I did was on, you know, what in production means. But just because we started with one and we got to 12 doesn't mean we want to sell 10 of them just to sell them because then we're back to two. Like the goal is we need to keep exponentially multiplying those numbers until I have half a bench that if I release 300, I'm confident that we didn't just sell out our stock and we're back to square one. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I wanted to pull up something on um, the Instagram. I, I recently did an a Instagram Q&A okay. uh, over the weekend. I don't know if you were able to see it. I got to get you to do one of those soon. Okay. But uh, I always love getting to do them. As the grower. Yeah, it's always, it. it's always fun. Um, and I think it's a unique perspective as me as a business owner, too, because mm -hmm. I always get a few pe people questioning. Obviously, people have the plant care questions, the pest questions, the availability questions of when we're going to have something next and things like that. Um, another thing that often or nearly every time I've ever done one of these things, this is the 15th one I think I've done or wow. 16th um, since the beginning. And one of the most reoccurring questions is, you know, what, what should I be excited for most? What's the you know, what... Up and or, coming. Yeah, or is this, this is the exact question I answered earlier in the week, but What's the most exciting plant you have coming? So I I pose that to you, Brett. Okay. Um, By the way, for a record, <laughs> I said I've been working hard to increase our capacity to grow a lot more of the... Um, Monstera panata partita. Yeah. Yes. I didn't want to say it wrong. <laughs> I didn't want to say it wrong specifically he's in front showing of you. Me, he's showing <laughs> me a photo. No, I appreciate that. Hey, at least and, I got the spelling right. Hey, yes, you did. <laughs> <laughs> um. Well, to answer that with one plant is difficult. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Or the other one is always like, what's your favorite thing growing in the greenhouse right now? And I'm like, well, I, I, kind of <laughs> like, I don't like to pick favorite child, children. You know what I mean? Like, uh, they're all, they're but, all fun. All right. Let's give, let's give the people what they want. Let's give them a couple things. Um, so something that was new to me, going back to what I've learned in these six months being here. Um, previously, I was a plant broker. And as a plant broker, when you buy off a a grower's availability. Typically, you can buy what they have ready right then. They don't want to sell anything in advance. They don't really want to let the plant go until it is ready to ship. Being in the growing business, I'd say that probably 80% of the plants that we grow come from tissue culture. And so the way that the tissue culture companies work is completely different than wholesale plant growers as in they require a pre-book sometimes a year to two years in advance. And so coming into this, there were some outstanding pre-books left for me, but I've kind of been able to take the reins of this and I've already started pre-booking 
plants for 2022 that -hmm. we're going to be able to grow and have down the line uh, that some things also aren't available right now, but these are things that we have secured that will be down the road for, you know, either next six months or beginning of 2022. And some of those plants that I'm pretty excited about are different jewel orchids. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. We currently have Ludicia discolor growing in the greenhouse. We did also just get in our first batch of Ludicia Discolor Variety Nigra Cans, which is a, bl- a black, black version of it. What? Yes. Very, very pretty. Oh. Um, so they're small now, but they will be growing. We're going to ha- offer these in three-inch size pots. So cute, perfect for a terrarium or whatever you want to do with them. Um, we're also going to be getting Makoti's Petola, which is the the golden jewel orchid. Um as well as Ludicia Discolor Variety Alba, which it looks like Ludicia Discolor, but it's green. Um, oh. So it's pretty cool. We'll have those four different varieties of jewel orchids, which is something that's uh, a plant that's new and popular on the scene. I also think they're pretty easy to care for and they're interesting. And I mean, I know I'm biased, but I love orchids. So being able to sell <laughs> a customer an orchid is like awesome. Yeah. And it's also uh, one of those plants that works really well as like, a cute little plant. I don't right. know how else to say that, but like, you know, no, there's, there's different, obviously a ponytail palm is not the best thing to, <laughs> to classify as like a small plant, right? Yes. But uh, it's definitely one of the cuter plants that also maintains that smaller leaf shape and is like that perfect on the corner of your desk or bathroom windowsill type thing. Absolutely. And I think we, um, we cater to a wide variety of customers as in there are many different applications for the plants that we sell. Some customers want a plant for their kitchen table or their windowsill, but some customers also are a next step up and they have terrariums or vivariums that they're working on that Mm -hmm. may be bioactive or may have uh, animals like a reptile or amphibian or something in them. And we also sell plants that are better suited for that type of growing. So to be able to offer just a wider range of plants, like you're saying, these stay really small that can be used in these types of situations. And we're not just selling a giant ficus that a customer wouldn't be able to put in a small terrarium. It's it's cool to be able to have the variety. Yeah, no. And that actually leads me into another question. I'm, I'll ask you this. This is from the Instagram Q&A too. Now, this is when I answered, but um, you kind of already answered it with the TC is, you know, a large extent of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know what percent, I can't recall what percentage you said, but the the other thing that's interesting about TC is how much it uh, is what we rely on more in the colder months right. and as we get into summer and the things that are really popular that we do grow from cuttings, obviously in the wintertime, we can be very limited. We can't make mm-hmm. a cutting grow faster, so we kind of got to wait on the ball game there. But in summertime, we tend to you know have more cuttings available too, which lets us um, kind of be mindful through the early part of spring of what's been working for customers, what customers can't get enough of. And, right. you know, we're able to really tailor what we grow. But one of the questions um, that we got was, if you're always growing more, um, you're always growing more, but when do you decide to stop restocking or stop growing a specific variety? And, you know, I kind of took that question as it could be uh, like, is there a minimum number that I have to sell in order for it mm-hmm. to be, you know, viable to grow? Um, but the way that I answered it was just that there's, be, 
especially with the things we grow from cuttings, TC is TC. What we get is, you know, how you pre-book it and also the availability of other growers or mm-hmm. even if we're buying in cuttings or any anything that we're having to source is obviously reliant on the source. Right. But anything that is self-contained, at least how I've always operated the greenhouses, we rather have, you know, enough cuttings of all those species mm-hmm. on hand and decide to not really be actively producing them for sale, but at least maintaining mothers of certain plants or maintaining very minimum numbers of maybe 30 or 60 a month, something like that. Because given how small we are, um, the economics of scale, obviously when things are popular, we want to grow as much of it, but we're not big enough to have an entire greenhouse, you know, an entire acre of begonias, an entire acre of ferns, an entire acre of everything else. And we have to be really kind of specific about how we use our space and which ones we do keep on hand. But what? how would you answer the question okay, of so when do we stop? I think I would agree with how you answered that. Um, it is very much constantly fluctuating. There is no real set rule that I'm going to be able to give the customers other than it is a su- supply and demand type type market, if we know that Prince of Orange are still really, really hot, then obviously I'm going to keep getting in six, seven, eight trays of Prince of Orange every six weeks. Whereas if it's something like a Pothos Neon and we once had a full bench and they're just not selling as quick and we have those mother baskets that are getting really long, we'll let that get down to half a bench. And maybe that next time we trim those mother baskets, we just throw those cuttings away and we don't stick them in pots because we don't need another crop um, at that time. Uh, I think it is it is just very dependent on also how much we have of the stock. So uh, something that they're doing this week is we have, currently we probably have six different crops on rotation right now of four-inch ficus triangularis variegata. So six different crops that are ready to sell right now. Go online and get them. They're so beautiful. Please buy these plants. But we also have an entire bench of eight-inch mother ficus triangularis variegata that are so huge that they're just not even getting watered efficiently anymore because they're so big. So we're going through this week and we're just going to give them a hard chop back. And unfortunately we're just going to throw those cuttings away because we don't need any more crops right now. Right. And we do, we do have to work with limited bench space, which I think is something, right. you know, to, to most plant enthusiasts, like you're going to throw something away. I'll, I'll show up and I'm sure there'll be somebody right. offering. I, to- I, I was already thinking that as soon as I said this, the, <laughs> I can imagine the emails we're going to get. I will take them. I will take them. Where's your but- Compost it's just, pile. I'll show it's up. A, yeah, it's a business decision, unfortunately. Yeah, and, and it's a decision of you know just having a limited amount of resources. You know, mm-hmm. we we are big in the sense that we've been able to accomplish some big projects and some big goals, and definitely serve our customers super well. But we're also, like I mentioned earlier, under an acre. Which, mm-hmm. for perspective, the single company that's the largest plant grower on the East Coast, we're one fifty two hundredth. I don't know if that's how you would say it, sure. but 5,200th of the growing space, the number mm-hmm. of the, the amount of acres of right, greenhouses. Right. So we're super small potatoes. Well, and then, I mean, even just looking at the numbers, if we grew 200 different types of plants last year and now we grow 572, other than adding brooks, the amount of space that we have to grow those plants is the same amount of space. So. Yeah. Other than maybe I, the one with, or two greenhouses you added benches in in the back. Right, but, yeah. which is, I mean, minuscule 
in the grand scheme of things Correct. that you have to realize that if the greenhouses were full with 200 plants and now they're <laughs> still full with 500 plants that we had to cut numbers down on some things to make room for other things. And I, I think that that's always been part of though. I think we're right where we want to be uh, like, oh, absolutely. correct me if I'm wrong, because one of the things that smaller growers can do, and it's honestly what my dad always did wholesale too, was although it was only 14 <laughs> at the time, but when he grew pothos and philodendron and like the heart shaped ones, mm -hmm. He grew every different kind he could. Obviously, he was working on Rio and Gabby, too, mm -hmm. on his side time, specifically because there were a lot of mom-and-pop stores that even the, the shop wouldn't sell more than five of any single variety, right. four jades, three neons. So my dad kind of fit this weird niche where he could make these assorted trays of 30 plants with like just four of this mm -hmm. and five of this. And, you know, that's one of the things we've kind of carried forward, honestly, into how we run the greenhouses now is we do have a little bit of everything. And the cool thing is, I know there's customers who are, you know, essentially just waiting until we restock something in the super uncommon or rare mm -hmm. category. But this year, way more than last year, there's been probably at least 60 items on the website, the vast majority right. of o the outside year. Outside of... 8 p.m. on Wednesday, there's still plants in stock. Right. And and we use that to gauge the interest on whether we do plant more neons or we throw those cuttings away or something Which else I, like that. I will say that's a perfect example for, I thought Echeveria were going to be super hot. I thought people were going to love succulents. We, you know, expanded our succulent selection and you people are just not buying the Echeveria <laughs> like I was thinking. So, which is fine if, you it, know. It also is like a totally different plant than anything right. we've ever offered to a customer too. Sure. What, what, what makes you like them the most? Uh, I mean, well, I like succulents highlight, put it on your windowsill. If it's an echeveria, it's going to stay small somewhat. So you're not looking at a plant that in six months is going to need like two different repots. Um, also they're drought tolerant. Like yeah, I'm sure we so have plenty easy. of customers that as long as you don't overwater it, like it's fine. It's pretty, it's cute. Like it'll just live there. And they will, they will put out like those little bloom spikes too. Oh, yeah. And those are beautiful when they, and I mean, out of the, we have maybe four or five different, I'm air quoting succulent, which is either like Echeveria or Haworthia varieties right now. Those five or six or eight varieties that we sell right now, I hand-selected to grow out of the 20 that were out there for us to choose. So, I mean, I was picking ones that I guess was also biased that mm -hmm. were my favorite that I thought were the most interesting, um, trying to pass that along. Um, and so I think it just comes with, now we know. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. No, and and we still did sell a decent amount oh, yeah. of them, oh, yeah. too. It, and it, it's also possible that two years from now, we're going to get a bunch of emails saying, I need succulents, I need succulents. Yeah. And then we'll just ramp numbers back up at that time. I mean, yeah. who knows how the plant, house plant market is going to go. Yeah, I think that's one of the questions. We do get it <laughs> in the Instagram from time to time. It's like, what's the big new thing in the market? And I'm like... <laughs> Beats me, man. <laughs> like I, I love growing plants. We love obviously, you know, reacting to what our customers want more of and stuff like that. But we're not fortune tellers either, and and sure. and for that matter, growers in general aren't. You well, know, and, and I mean, that's the reason why things become rare is because right. if if it becomes popular and every grower had six of them, well, and we're already on the cusp of being trendsetters essentially and we have our fingers on the pulse of the houseplant market considerably more than probably 99% of the other growers in general foliage production do because uh, we're I mean 
you of you and I of being young blood and being, you know, infused in this plant community, we kind of know what's hot and we know that there's money and desire in these things that people want. But a lot of the growers that are out there that have been growing plants for 30, 40 years, they're very much, I don't want to say stuck in their ways, but they're comfortable in what they grow. And they're also not looking to risk their entire business by changing what they grow up completely. Mm -hmm. And you have the delay in kind of how information gets there too, because if you go into... Um, you know, Brett's garden center, um, <laughs> not here sure, at Gabriella, sure. but a make-believe garden center, and you say, hey, I'm looking for Pink Princess. You know, well, that person who owns the shop doesn't grow it. Right. And they may not even technically be in contact. What you used to do is that that shop owner would contact somebody like you who's a broker, mm-hmm. not a grower either. Right. Um, the number of of end customers who ran a shop and actually talked to the head grower of the person running the growing operation before 2016 to 2020 Mm -hmm. when things started to pick up on the digital end. And then obviously I've seen, I don't know about you, I've seen a huge explosion in more people following kind of what we did Mm -hmm. as far as if they fall into this very small operation category to start serving customers directly. Mm -hmm. Um, But a lot of those shop owners simply don't have contact directly with a grower. So you're kind of relying on the broker passing that information along or asking often enough. I mean, Brett, you would call me every, (laughs) you know, twice a week or whatever and say, you know, you got any more pink princess or whatever. And so eventually as a grower, you pick up on the hint of like, I answer more calls asking about pink princess Mm -hmm. than any other plant we grow. I should probably grow as much of that as I can. Mm -hmm. But short of that, there isn't always a direct connection to what a customer wants. And to these the are grower most of these it. growers that are still using fax anyway. So correct, yeah. <laughs> and, and we are fortunate enough also that, like we're mentioning, with being able to buy plants that we can then you know propagate it or get rare cuttings in that we can take one to twenty to three hundred. A lot of these growers don't necessarily have the resources to get in these other plants. They are kind of reliant on only what the tissue culture companies are able to provide them. And so then there's also a delay in, let's say, we'll use Pink Princess again. Let's say the grower finally does understand, hey, you know, people have been asking like crazy for Pink Princess. And it, they then somehow pass it along to the tissue culture company. That's looking at two to three years for the tissue culture company to be able to get that into production to then offer. Which is what you saw. Right. I mean, when right. when I first started the Etsy page was in September or late August of 2018. Mm-hmm. And you started to see TC Pink Princess show mm-hmm. up in the middle to end of 2020. I mean, they were the pre-batches were kind of sure. earlier last spring, but they really ramped into full production towards the end of last year. And that is essentially two full years mm-hmm. from the peak right. of the the demand and the asking. So it, it is crazy to see how those um how those things go. And one of the things when a when a plant, even like Pink Princess, which has been by and large scaled mm-hmm. to a certain extent, um, you do have the people who there are going to be the plants that are so hard to grow that regardless of whether it's T, you know TC doing their part to help ramp production, it's more growers even importing from overseas to get a head start on mm-hmm. how many they can start with. 
if it's a slow grower and it's only going to produce three leaves in a year, mm-hmm. I mean, that just makes it that much harder too. So it's one thing to have kind of the source uh, ramp up, whether it's c- cuttings from somebody else, sure. mul- you know, dividing and, and multiplying. But the actual viability of being able to commercially produce a crop. Yeah, I th- I and think get it to fully grown size. You may even be able to get the tiny little TC a pink princess right. at two years, but that doesn't mean you have a six inch one that's two feet tall. I think a good um, example of this was, uh, you know, two or three years ago, people started freaking out over variegated ficus lorata, and everyone wanted variegated ficus lorata, but they are so incredibly hard to grow and keep clean that I don't know of a single grower in the United States that is mass producing variegated ficus lorata because it's just not feasible. Yeah, it's hard. It's too hard. And, and so even though there is a demand for it, it's just, yeah, it's not economical. Or maybe in Ethereum where you kind of have to wait on the, the hybridizing process, mm-hmm. which brings me to... Yay! Yes, one of the things Brett has been teaching me a lot of, if you've <laughs> been following my social media, um, is uh, he crossed... Do you remember what two Ethereum? It was crossed? an Ethereum crystallinum... X Magnificum with a Crystallinum X Magnificum. So, so Crystal Mag Squared, let's call it that. All right, Crystal Mag Squared. Yeah. That almost sounds like a fertilizer brand <laughs> or something. Uh, but you kind of showed me, obviously, you did the initial hybridizing. Right, of, the, uh, of taking the pollen and, you know, pollinating the uh, female floral parts of the one spathe and spadix and then um you know getting it to uh to be pollinated and then i mean it was probably two months that that inflorescence sat there and developed into in fructescence and that those berries then started to develop and within the past week some of those berries have started to be ripe and so then yeah 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 the so speaking of ripe berries (laughs) i'd say probably 70 percent of what, cause so when, once that once it is pollinated mm-hmm. in that long kind of period where it's developing each berry, uh, it kind of starts to create. I'm not using a botanical term, but like a scale, sure, like a, a like a little raised bump where there will be a seed that kind of pops out eventually. Or so I've learned from Brett this yes, week. Yes, yes. Uh, we're all learning together. I love it. <laughs> uh, but the, in each day, kind of as they become mature or ready yeah, to mature. be yeah ready to be harvested um they'll kind of pop out um so probably 70% of those little um bumps have now popped out awesome. i think i counted last night there's 37 seedlings Woo! that i've planted and so, so far. you were getting consistently two seeds per berry no okay no is it, it was probably about 40% had two interesting yeah okay. now i may have i may have harvested a few a little too small because a couple of them it, it's kind of weird because i don't i make I'm, I'm making up the number but let's just say there's 200 slots mm-hmm. on the the bloom there sure but, um what maybe half of that had pollinated right well, because like it, that. right because it wasn't a perfect pollination not every single flower got pollinated so basically on the inflorescence it, if every one of them had been pollinated it would look like a perfect corn on the cob type thing but because not everything was pollinated it is very um irregular or sporadic. yeah very shotgun spread as far as right. which ones so some of the ones where the berries some of the ones that were successful and produced berries just happened to be just right up next to each other. Mm -hmm. And I think I accidentally trying to get some of the bigger ones off, got some of them off a little bit too soon. Mm, Um, Yeah, we'll (laughs) see. Um, But the rest of the process as you have explained it is then I take that 
the rest of the process, as you have explained it, is I take those berries, we take the skin off, kind of peel that and get just the seed, and then make sure that the extra uh, enzymes and things that are around the seed get kind of worn off. Yes. And then eventually plant them not submerged under soil, but kind of resting in a pocket of soil with some extra um, sphagnum on top to keep it moist. Yes, so it's going to create that basically microclimate around the seed so that it can stay humid and develop. So it's going to develop the roots first, which are going to then go down into the soil that the seeds were laid on top of. Um, and once it develops a nice taproot, it then will push out its uh it's caught a leaden leaf and then its first true leaves will follow. And so you planted those in uh, 72 cell um, trays that are in a humidity dome. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. So the Anthurium seeds will germinate pretty quickly. So probably within the next week or two, you'll start to see sproutlings and then we'll get a better idea. Yeah, I'm really curious. I, I, what do you think is going to be the success? I mean, you didn't see me plant them, but what do you think uh, the success rate uh, will be on some of those. Um, I mean, I'm pretty, I'm pretty confident if you were able to, you know, harvest the seeds and remove the extra berry pulp and clean them off and plant them the way we, you know, um, worked out. I think, I think we're going to see upwards of 90% success rate. That's what I'm talking about. It's just now, I mean, getting them to germinate is just one of the many beginning steps. You know, we then obviously have to keep it alive and get, yeah, it, was, <laughs> get it to a point where it's now rooted in that cell tray that then you can pop out and put into a larger pot. And I mean, this is something that we're looking on probably this time, 2022 will be. Okay. That was to, my next question yeah. was, you know, maybe I successfully did step one, but how mm. long do you think that will be until it's say a four inch size? I think a year. A year before it's something that we can offer the customer, and it and the baby plants will have traits that resemble the parents. I'd say about a year. That's cool. That's so cool. <laughs> it's also such a long, you know. That's one of the cool things about um, being a grower is that there's projects that test your patience, mm -hmm. and uh, it, it, it's it's a simultaneous. Everything happens so fast that you can't keep up with it because there is so much yes. happening every day. And then there's also things like these seedlings and other things where <laughs> it, it, a watch pot never boils. You could sit there and just exactly. drive yourself absolutely crazy wondering if you did it wrong. <laughs> you know, So it, it's always fun to see those two different perspectives. Um, well, I wanted to bring up, as we kind of close up today's podcast, I want to bring a, rant, a really weird... <laughs> I got the... So I mentioned the... If you have any questions for the podcast, you can email feedback at everyplantstory.com. Mm -hmm. We got this one email um, this past maybe about a week ago or so. I'm pulling it up here from Annie. And um, we'll, we'll post the uh, photo on the story okay. or something. Uh, so they know what the, we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, at the Every Plant. Go, go on Instagram at Every Plant Story. And when this podcast is out, we'll post this photo. Um, but Brett kind of described what the photo is here. And she basically sends this picture of a Sansevieria that's out of a pot. I'll let Brett explain what's going on with the Sansevieria. Um, but her basic question is, I've never seen this before <laughs> uh, when she went to repot this particular Sansevieria. It's not from us, from yes. somebody else. Um, and she was like, is what I'm looking at a help or a hurt? So, All right, Brett, so you want to kind of... Yes, let me paint the picture for our viewers. Um, so essentially, there are a bunch of Sansevieria tip cuttings in a pot that are dense, densely bunched together and being held together by this intricate piece of foam material. It almost looks like when you 
go to a florist mm-hmm. and they have those blocks where you kind of, not quite that thick, but yes. yeah, it's that kind of foam looking so material. So what we're looking at, it's a Sansevieria Fernwood Mikado. So Mikado, which are sold as Mikado tips, are actually just a Sansevieria Fernwood tip that the grower has cut the tips of and placed into this pot. It gives it a different uh, kind of tighter, clumping, upright look as opposed to the standard fernwood is very up and out. Um, so they're trying to market the plant as something new in a way that fernwood couldn't previously be sold. And because this pot probably has 18 to 20 of these Mikado tips in the pot, they were stuck as they were planted through this piece of foam so then they could maintain their structural integrity as they were you know, shipped out and received with the customer. Um, but as our customer who sent this photo uh, shows in in the picture after she unpotted it, there are you know the rhizome the rhizomes of the new snake plants starting to grow through and stick through the foam. And so she's asking, you know, is it detrimental? Is it going to harm yeah, the plant? Should I take should, the should foam? I remove it? Yeah, should I take the foam um, away? But no, I think it's. I think it's really up to you, uh, up to you, the customer. Um, realize that the plant has grown through that foam so intricately that you may risk damaging it by removing it. Yeah. Um, if you are able to remove it without damaging the plant, it may lose its shape and its overall appearance um, in the pot. Um also, it's not going to do anything negative to the plant. I mean, foam is abiotic, so it's not going to necessarily house any diseases or anything. Um, and this type of like black foam material, it's not really going to hold any extra water that I'd be worried about it rotting the plant. So, I mean, honestly, in this instance, because the plant is so far grown through it, I'd say almost just leave it. Yeah. I mean, it is unique though. I've never, oh, yeah. I don't think I've seen that. You know, we, mm-hmm. we sell one of the Sansevieria that have the, the braid yes. um, to it, but that is kind of all stuff that happens above the soil line mm-hmm. as it grows, you know, the growers will kind of twist it and tie it with a ribbon or something. Mm-hmm. This was obviously hanging beneath the soil line. Right. Um, yeah, that was my first impression too. And what I initially responded to her too was just like, well, my number one rule with a plant <laughs> is if it's happy, this plant in the photo, as the customers will see when they, uh, listeners will see on the Instagram, mm-hmm. like it's happy. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's, it's a happy growing. plant. It's so doing its thing. My rule number one always is if it's happy, don't make yourself a problem. Mm-hmm. It's obviously, you know, if you need to repot it, sure. But don't mess with something if it's not broken, I guess. Absolutely. So anyhow, yeah, that, uh, Annie, thanks for sharing that photo with us. Cause I, I had never seen something yes, like I, that before. Uh, this is, uh, I mean, you've said it a couple times, but I'm all for it. Like, please, if you have questions, send us questions. I'd love to answer that. We can even do, let's think about doing like a, a live Q and a or something, uh, you oh, know, yeah. an Instagram live. We'll that it. would be awesome. Did you see the, uh, did you see this is really specific? Did you see the camera test we did on Twitch the other day? No, tell me. Yeah. I finally have a way to do a wireless DSLR, like Zach's big camera nice. over the ethernet that's in my backyard from the greenhouse mm-hmm. to my studio and so then cool. broadcast it live. So we can literally have me answering questions in my office and then go, okay, here's Brett. 
and go to you like it's a news crew. So cool. Like in the greenhouse. Like I finally figured out how to do that, which has been my lifelong goal is to be <laughs> able to like walk around and do a high quality live stream right. off like a really nice camera that's better than how your phone compresses mm-hmm. things and stuff. So maybe soon. Woo! Yeah, we're getting real cool. close on that. With that, I hope you guys have a great rest of your week. If you guys are going to be in Denver uh, in the week end leading up into the 4th of July, the July 1st, 2nd, or 3rd dates, uh, I'll be doing a prior meetup somewhere out there, so stay tuned to the Gabriella Plants Online Instagram. I'll post uh, maybe a plant shop or something I'll be able to hang out at with a little while and hopefully meet some of you guys. Um, I'll bring some merch and stuff along too. Woo! And uh, Brett, you're going to be holding down the fort at the greenhouse. Yes. You got a lot to plant this week. I know um, Absolutely. everything's exploding and we're always growing more. <laughs> so with that, thank you guys for listening to this week's episode. Uh, we would love if you would rate and review us on uh, your favorite podcasting app. And with that, we will see you guys next week. Until next time, guys, keep growing. Yep. Always growing more.